Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Cheese It. Hey, Hoops fans, do you want to play in a basketball game with some of today's biggest stars? With Charles Barkley or Shaq as your coach, Pringles and Cheese It are bringing you that chance with the Celebrity Crunch Classic, all for the win sweepstakes. All you have to do is go vote for Team Cheese It or Pringles at celebritycrunchclassic.com slash OSP. Visit the site for more details, Pringles versus Cheese It. Pick a side, stock up, and go for the win. No purchase necessary. We are also brought to you by TheRinger.com, where I have... If I can pat myself on the back, I think I've earned employee of the week honors by uh, I watched Game of Thrones. I went and saw Avengers. I've been watching the NBA playoffs. Um, I think I think that's the trifecta at the ringer.com. I did all those things. Uh, so I deserve a raise. I think that's how that works. <laughs> yes. But, uh, if, if you're into any of those things, if you're into anything going on in the world, go to the ringer.com. This is a uh, this is this is why this website was built was for basically these like right now right now is why this website was when Bill sat down I was like I want to create the ringer.com uh this is what he had in mind was this week right here yes Avengers Endgame Game of Thrones and the NBA playoffs the trifecta it's it uh I'll say this we don't plan on talking about Game of Thrones on this podcast but uh I'm sure a reference will be made at some point so I just want to season yeah I just want to get that out of the way like we're not going to devote 20 minutes to talking about breaking down the, the the whatever happened in Game of Thrones, uh, but we we might make a reference. So I just want to get that out of the way now. If you haven't seen the show, uh, tread lightly. I'm not promising anything. I don't I don't know. But uh, if something slips, I'm not going to apologize for it. If I if I make a comment about Game of Thrones, uh, Tate, what are we talking about today? What's going on in the world of basketball? I was going to say. I mean, we have so many things that we have to get to. And if if you haven't been spoiled uh, by the Game of Thrones stuff yet, then you've obviously been off the internet. Because as soon as it happened, I think in live time, as as soon as it was like six twenty three on the West Coast, if you went on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, Esquire, uh, Vogue, uh, The Ringer, whatever whatever place you follow has already put up what happened in the end. So you you pretty much just have to deal with it at this point. So we'll we'll stay away from Game of Thrones as much as we can. I mean, the main things that are going on right now is that Arizona basketball is crumbling. Yes. They've released the tapes. Mm. They're not really the tapes that we expected. They are discussions about what was so-called uh, discussed on the tape, on the tape according to Schleybach. But we have to get into that. A player's program. And we learned why it's a player's program uh, in New York this week. Uh, as they broke hey, down more like, stuff. We got to talk about the NBA more like playoffs. A, a payers pl- program, am I right? A payers. Yes. If Because yes, they pay you guys. You can book it. Yeah, book it, Book Richardson. <laughs> oh, <no>. Anyone named <laughs> Book is probably a guy that's going to handle some stuff for you. You know what I mean? And uh, we're learning that he's handling lots of bribes, $20,000 in bribes. We also learned that Will Wade is willing to pay Somewhere upwards to around three hundred thousand dollars to get a four-star guy like mm-hmm. Nazir Reed. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot about uh, where we are in the world of college basketball. And uh, Dabo Sweeney got a nine point three ninety-three million dollar uh, contract, so nine point three million dollars a year. So all good things in college basketball to talk about. But what should we hit first, Mark Titus? Dabo, what do you care about? Dabo, What's going on? Dabo Sweeney is college. Is he coaching Clemson's basketball team now too? That'd be interesting. Yes, he's doing all, all uh, of the above. I want to talk. He had that one assistant on the clips of TV New. Yeah, I want to talk about the playoffs, uh, the NBA playoffs, because I have some thoughts on that. Um, we, we're just going to get to a lot of stuff. We'll, 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 it'll be, it'll be a hodgepodge. It is the off season, but yeah, we got to talk about the uh, the ongoing trial a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll talk about as much as we can get to. But first, Woody Durham. Hey,
All right, it is Tuesday morning here in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And I want to start this podcast off, Tate, with uh, a little story time with Titus. So um, I, I am taking Moses on a lot of walks. This is a thing. I'm taking advantage of the great weather in L.A. Uh, I, I don't know what the weather's like in Ohio, but uh, I will say this. Even if it's cold in Ohio right now, the action inside Nationwide Arena tonight will be heating up your Columbus Blue Jackets play, hosting the very first second-round playoff game in nationwide arena history uh i'm very excited i'm wearing i'm wearing my uh my stitched columbus blue jackets sweater that's what they call it they call it a sweater not a jersey special yeah Yeah, they call it a sweater Mm. um anyway what was i saying uh so i i'm I'm taking moses on walks uh i've been wearing my uh i i I wear like you know some some dry fit shit that i have whatever because we we go on some long walks So so every now and then i'll throw on like an ohio state basketball one that i have uh as i'm taking them on walks and uh, fa- re- rewind to two days ago, two days before I'm on this walk. Uh, I'm walking around somewhere, and there's a, there's a homeless guy sitting outside Chipotle, and he asked me to buy him a burrito. And I was like, Yeah, you know, that seems like a reasonable request. Uh, I I can walk you into the, the the place, buy you a burrito, and then leave. I don't have to give you money and w- wonder about where that money is going to go. I will see that the money is going into your belly. Let's do this. Come with me, sir. Get whatever you want. I will pay for it, and I will tell the story on my podcast so people tell me I'm a good person. Nice. Um, so I do this for this guy, right? And then two days later, I'm taking Moses on a walk, and I'm walking around, and I got my Ohio State basketball shirt on, and I'm just walking through uh, wherever it is I live. I don't want to get too specific. People people are crazy out there. Um, so we're walking around, and the same guy is is a, this is a different part of town now. Like this, it's it's we're probably a mile away from where I saw him at Chipotle. The same guy is just sitting on the street leaning up against the wall and he sees my Ohio state basketball shirt and he just goes, boo, Buckeyes suck. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned to it and I had sunglasses on. So I take the sunglasses. I was like, what the fuck, dude? I bought you a burrito. And he goes, I don't care. Buckeyes suck. Michigan grad, huh? Yeah. He graduated from Michigan. (laughs) He was a valedictorian at Michigan. Yeah. He had to hang it up behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, look at my degree. So, uh, (laughs) Mean. That is a uh, that is my story time with Titus. That is uh, college basketball rivalries never die. Welcome to there LA, buddy. Yeah, LA. You, you do a nice. Thing yeah. So did you learn a lesson in that? It's just uh, be careful out there who you support because uh, not everyone's going to love Ohio State or the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it's, nationwide may be on your side, but not I will always say the this: of Los I've been Angeles. wearing the. So it's it's still early in the morning. It's only nine thirty as we're recording this, but I have been. I first thing I, I woke up at like seven, threw on my my Blue Jacket sweater, and was walk, walking around the neighborhood today with Moses. Uh, I'm getting the very exact opposite reaction with the Blue Jackets thing. With the Ohio State thing, everyone's like, boo, they suck. I hate Ohio State. With the Blue Jackets thing, they're like, what is that you're wearing? Who is that to you? Is that, the, is is that, that an that, Olympic jersey? What that, do you have there, sir? <laughs> is that America? I like America. We, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> We uh we brought this up. This will probably be the end of our time with Bill Simmons because between you having the blue jackets and, and rubbing that in his face a little bit by, you know, how great they're doing and me having the Carolina Hurricanes, which were, uh you know, uh, of course, people all know this. They used to be the Hartford Whalers and now mm-hmm. they're, you know, thriving in the playoffs this year. We hockey might be the end of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not if it's not Game of Thrones, if it's not in game, if it's not the NBA playoffs, it's going to be the NHL playoffs that end this podcast. I'm not going to apologize for it. The blue jackets are uh a lot of a lot of the Blue Jackets fans are asking me to give the Blue Jackets the the uh, the bump. You know, Tate, I I saved the crew famously. That was me. I did it. I said save the crew at the end of every podcast, and I'll be goddamn the crew were saved. Uh, I called Virginia winning the national title. So now people are asking Titus, can you please, can you please 
jump on the, the the Blue Jackets thing. Put use your powers for good and bring a bring the Stanley Cup to Columbus. Um, it doesn't work that way. I have to like recharge the whole thing. <laughs> the whole system is my battery has been depleted by the Virginia thing. I used all my energy on that, so I I need some time. But I will say we are going to beat the Bruins. But we have to watch a game with Bill Titus. Yeah, I will. Yeah, we should we should record that. Uh, and and Bill's got the roster in front of him, trying to remember all the guys' names oh, on the got Bruins. Oh, you've got Titus Curse yeah. in your back pocket, just ready to whip <laughs> yeah, oh, that yeah. motherfucker out. <laughs> yeah, Bill's like, I hate these guys, and he's pulling out the Bruins roster. He's like, uh, what's that guy's name? Oh, yeah, yeah, I hate that guy. He sucks now. What happened to him? Uh, why why isn't Mookie Betts out there? Put Mookie. Be- <laughs> um, no, Bobrovsky's standing on his head right now, Tate. That's that's a that's a term we use in hockey when the goalie, uh, Big Dick Bob, he's 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 playing out of his mind. So this is my this, I love Bobrovsky. This is me pandering all I the Columbus fans, wondering, do I really watch these games? Fuck yes, I watch the games. We're we're, we're winning the cup. Let's let's get this done. Uh, let's talk about college basketball though. That is what the logo, our logo on our podcast has a basketball in it. Um, the name of our podcast references college basketball. I think that's why people tune in. They want to hear us talk about all the happenings. And am, the, the highest level of amateur basketball in the world, or is it amateur, Tate? That's the question. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're learning in federal court uh, in New York this week. This is supposed to be the trial of all trials. We were expecting every single uh, administrator, uh, all these all these college you know, basketball and, and college sports aficionados and officials were going to be in the building. As, Tim Miles is there. As the underbelly. <laughs> Tim, Tim Miles is there eating popcorn, uh, petting his golden retriever, watching stuff on his phone uh, while also listening. Uh, but basically, what we're learning is that uh, all of this stuff goes on behind closed doors. And there's a lot of co- phone conversations with Christian Dawkins. I mean, basically making fun of Emmanuel Book Richardson for spending all of his salary to pay players to go to Arizona. Uh, and he even at one point said that, you know, he was he was broke. Book was broke because he was spending all of his money uh, <laughs> to broke. get these guys to come to Arizona. Uh, some of the people that were mentioned in this uh, that were, you know, trying to get recruited to Arizona. Obviously, Raleigh Hawkins came up in the situation. Alonzo Trier came up in the situation. And then our favorite guy of all time, the man that started this whole thing. The number one pick, Mr. DeAndre Aiden. And when it came up uh, the first time, we we all, you know, scoffed at the fact that he would only be worth $100,000. I think that is uh, null and void at this point because we also found out in this trial that, again, Nas Reed, who was at LSU, uh, you know, obviously took LSU to the Sweet 16 this year, played really great, lost a lot of weight, uh, you know, had a nice little end of the season. But he apparently was being valued at $300,000. Mm. So if Nas Reed is at $300,000, then we obviously know DeAndre Aiden was not $100,000. But we also know that Book Richardson was willing to take bribes, was willing to pay these guys. And Will Wade, the bag man of the year, uh, 2019, 2018, 2019, yet again comes up in these conversations talking about what he's willing to do to get a guy like Nas Reed to come to LSU and get involved in the process. Quinterly, our boy Javon Quinterly, who's at for, you know, famously at Villanova this year, now looking to go somewhere else, also brought up in all this, had a cousin that wanted to move to Tucson. Uh, Dawkins and Book tried to convince him that Tucson wasn't that nice to live because uh, it was a little too hot out there. So all of this stuff is coming up in court. And Mark Titus, I ask you, does anyone care? No, this is the, the big takeaway is that if this happened really any time before, the, the, I mean, since the FBI stuff broke, We've just become conditioned to not give a shit about it, and that's it's so crazy. Because if if all if this trial was going on like three years ago, this would be the biggest story maybe in the history of sports. Maybe I'm a little that maybe that's a little hyperbole, but uh, I mean th- this shit would be the most insane thing of all time. 
just all the details that are coming out. You have coaches directly implicated, offering guys stuff, and no one really cares. It's not even it's not even kind of a blip or a bomb on Coach K's radar. It's 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 nothing's nothing's coming up uh, in in terms of like the. Like, like if you're not in, if you don't live in the college basketball world, basically, like if I walked around the Ringer offices right now and I asked people what they think about this trial, they'd be like, "What trial? What what's going on?" The the fact that it's not like leading every story, a sports center, all that kind of stuff, it's hilarious because everyone knows that nothing's actually nothing is actually happening until the NCAA gets involved, and no one really trusts that the NCAA is ever going to get involved in any of this. So we're just kind of like rolling our eyes, like, "Oh yeah, we get it. Arizona's paying players. We don't need any more evidence that Arizona." Or, or or LSU will Wade. We don't need any more evidence that, the, that this stuff was going on. So at this point, it is like really juicy nuggets in a vacuum. Everything that we're learning is is kind of jaw dropping. But given the context of everything that's happened so far and how much other evidence there is out there, it's like who cares? I mean, who who really ultimately cares? I will say this though, Tate. How funny is it that I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but. Every single one of these dollar amounts is always perfectly even. It's always like a guy got offered a hundred grand or three hundred <laughs> grand or two hundred and fifty grand. Like I want to see I think that's the next level of bag dropping is a guy that actually calculates how much a guy's worth and someone makes an offer for like two hundred and forty six thousand seven hundred and twelve dollars. And so it's like an insurance guy. Like a, you, you get some like underwriters in there that are like actually running calculations and shit and figuring out how much a guy's actually worth. But it's always very even numbers. It's always three fifty, three hundred. 150, something like that. It's never like $127,000 or something. I don't know. It's interesting. Makes you think. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that we go to the prices right model with all these guys. So we let's say Nas Reed is getting recruited. You know, we run him out on stage with uh, Drew Carey, and then we get his four top bidders, and we get mm. them lined up, and then they put in their prices, and you can play it. You know, what the, what is the value that America says he's valued at as far as his skill set? And then you can do like the $1 thing, and if you're lower than everyone else, you get the guy. And this then you just kind of get them for free, like the old school model. I, I understand where you're going with this, but um, as, as I'm visualizing, visualizing this in my mind, this is uh, very problematic, what you're describing. Well, the guy gets paid, though. Well, the guy gets paid. That's as different. I'm visualizing let's, how this would work. Let's, let's, let's be honest. A, let's be honest. So the let's whole bring thing out players. Yeah, I mean. let's, let's bring out guys, have them stand on stage, and then have a bunch of white guys look up at them and make bids on them. Yes. Great idea. No, not, not, no. Book Richardson. Book Richardson's putting in the okay, bid. Okay, all right. okay. So we're, we're off the hook. It's all good. <laughs> we're good. It's just I'm just saying at this point with when you read all this stuff and you I mean look, Book Richardson says, and this I think the most damning thing in the whole uh, report, at least from what I've read, is basically Book Richardson. He's talking. He's in the he's in the meeting, right? And he's basically putting his balls on the table. And he's talking to the undercover officers, which he obviously does not know are undercover officers, but he's explaining the game. And he goes, look, if anything happens, it's their word against mine. And when it's cash, you know, I don't know what they're talking about. Mm. And I think that's pretty much where we're at in the game of college basketball, where it's like, I w- I'm willing to use cash. I'm willing to pay $40,000, not even for the sure fact that I'm going to get a kid to commit to my school, but just so that I have a chance to get him to commit to commit to my school, and in this case, the school is Arizona. So if you're willing to go out and just say, I'm going to throw cash blindly at something and see if it works out, and if not, oh, well, we can still deny it because it's cash payments and, you know, it's an 18-year-old kid in his family going against me who's, you know, a guy on staff at a big blue blood school. So we'll see what happens. They're going to take my They're going to take my word in this at the end of the day. I think that just shows right there what the system is. And uh, I think we all know what the system is. And that's why 
I don't know, Mark Titus, but eventually something's going to have to change, I guess, especially when we get the numbers. Because that's what it's always been. It's always been, uh, you know, I remember Charles Barkley told this story a long time ago that he was over in Germany when Dirk was 16. And he was asking Dirk how much money it would take to get him to go to Auburn. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? He's like throwing out prices at him. He's like, you know, 25000 40000 80000 and, you know, when Cam Newton was getting recruited to Auburn, everyone was saying, you know, the number is 250000 And when Anthony Davis was going to Kentucky, the number was 250000 And then, you know, now we're hearing, you know, Nas Reed, 300000 If we're at, If we're at the hundreds of thousands and six figures and guys are giving up their entire salaries to get a guy to come to school for one year, I, I think it's about time. Yeah. I, I don't know what the change will be, but uh, I don't think we need to have broke players, broke assistant coaches, and uh, multi-millionaire head coaches who are hiding from the whole thing. I think that what, doesn't seem right. Well, what's going to end up happening, and I think this is already happening, is that the NCAA is overwhelmed uh, by everything going on. I think like the NCAA, the the enforcement branch of the NCAA was equipped to basically uh, they they discover that an email was sent from a coach to uh, an assistant coach saying, yeah, change his grade to an, an A minus. And then they find that email and then they suspend that coach for four games. Like that's what, that's what they're equipped to do. They're not equipped to take on an entire underground syndicate of bag dropping that the FBI <laughs> is now in. Like they're they're Then they're sitting there like, fuck, like we're, this is so far <laughs> above our head. We have no idea What's actually like they they all know the stuff's going on. I think I mean, I'm going to assume um, I, more more cynical people would say the NCAA. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote Tate, but um, there's a guy I forget who the coach was that said it, but they like one time Cleveland State got in trouble and he was like, man, the NCAA was so mad at Kentucky that they punished Cleveland State, and I thought that was like a genius quote. I was like, man, that's that's really really intelligent. Um, so like some people love that quote and they'll say that the the NCAA is purposely sitting on their hands and not doing anything. I don't know. I think I think the more likely explanation is that, I mean, if it was you and I, I feel like the NCA is just like normal people that don't really know what the hell they're doing with this with 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 something this grand. Like if they came to you and I and asked us to enforce this shit, we'd be like, "What? How? How do we do that?" Um, so it, I mean, I, I think that's ultimately going to be the problem. Is that the dust is all going to settle? Everyone's going to look at the NCA, Mark Emmer, and be like, "All right, go get him. Go go do it." And they're like. Yeah, we don't really. Well, that's not really our thing. We don't have the firepower to do that. We just kind of, we're just really good at when the evidence falls into our lap, uh, and it's just something kind of small. Then we can slap people on the wrist, and then that's it. That's like what we do best. We can't, we can't take down like a whole fucking underground syndicate. That's not. We're not that good. I'm sorry, <laughs> and I think that's what's ultimately going to happen. But I, I'm with you. Like something has to be done because. Um, yeah, like this is it's it's the fact that like this isn't massive news is in and of itself massive news to me. You know that that we've reached this point where everyone is so conditioned, and um and you can only have the wool, you can only have your, your head in the sand. I mean, for so long before something has to be done if you're the NCAA. So um, I I don't know. They, they are going to have to do something, but I think right now they're just doing a wait and see approach. Every time anyone from the NCAA, which is basically just Mark Emmert, is the only guy that ever gets asked anything. He's a, he's a robot who every, he knows that everybody hates him already. Um, anytime he gets asked anything, he can just keep saying like, "We're we're just going to wait and see. We're going to let the FBI do their thing." Even though the FBI didn't, the FBI give them uh, the go ahead to start dishing out punishments like five months ago. The FBI was like, "Yeah, okay, go ahead, NCAA, do whatever you want to do." I feel like the NCAA is still going to just be like. Yeah, we'll take our time. We're gonna let everything sort itself out. We're gonna let everything sort itself out, and then eventually, three years from now, everything will have been sorted out. 
it'll be the NCAA's turn to do something and they'll just be like, fuck, dude, we have like three people working on our enforcement <laughs> staff, our, our rules enforcement. Uh, we don't really know how to handle this. That's what I think is going to end up happening. He's the, they're pretty much going to say, we're going to monitor the situation and, and try to see what the next plan of attack is. And that means we're just going to sit on our hands and they're, they're basically playing earmuffs. You know what I mean? Like this whole trial right. is going on and the NCAA is basically just playing. They've just been covering their ears the entire time, acting like they don't hear anything, uh, pulling the, whatever coach does when everything, you know, when, when any sort of story comes out, I think at one point in this trial, uh, one guy, when he got called, uh, called up, he, he basically brought up the fact that uh, like Alabama football players are getting paid. Uh, he even said North Carolina football players were getting paid. And then Clemson, Clemson, uh, a Clemson uh, basketball system was talking about how uh, basically, you know, the football program knows how to do it right. Cause they know how to pay the kids and keep the culture contained at a certain level. And they need to follow that when trying to get a guy like Zion Williamson. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear stuff like that, then all these other coaches get asked about it and they all do exactly what the NCAA is doing, which is like, I haven't heard that. Uh, I'll monitor the situation and I'll see uh, we'll what launch, anyone says about it, but we'll launch also, an internal investigation. We'll launch an internal investigation, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we'll get back to Duke. Yeah, we'll we'll investigate ourselves. Duke, uh, yeah, we like still haven't we still haven't seen the results of Duke's internal investigation into the alleged payments design, Williamson. But uh, I can't wait to see what Duke finds. <laughs> can't see. Can't Did wait you, to see uh, what that investigation turns up. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, Nothing. Zion uh, went there for the love of the game, always. Uh, we know that. Um, uh, I will point out there was something funny that I saw with uh, DeAndre Ayton because speaking of number one pick, Zion Williamson, the, DeAndre Ayton was the original Zion Williamson in this camp uh, in the trial that's going on. It said that his mother was loyal to someone else is what Book Richardson said. What a great uh, phrase. I was just what a great phrase. Out, like, <laughs> and I was just thinking about the bag moms and how important they've been. You know, when you think about Laurie Laughlin and we go all the mm. way back to, you know, Wendell Carter's mom. And I, I just think that, I think we're very, we're underestimating the modern recruitment, which it, it has a lot to do with the moms. The moms. And, and yeah. DeAndre Aiden's mom was lured somewhere else at one point, but uh, they found a way to get her back in. So kudos to Sean Miller and the Arizona staff. <laughs> uh, you made, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, allegedly. But this yeah. is—I mean—the fact that Sean Miller—it's—it's it's all crazy. I mean, Will Wade was reinstated. I—I—I'm okay with that. Release the tapes or reinstate. He was reinstated, but at the same time, um, kind of wild that they reinstated Will Wade at LSU. Sean Miller is like the fact that neither one of these guys—it's it, it, just shocking, man. I don't know. I don't know how to how else to and, and and as I said, the most shocking part is how not shocking it is to the public at large. And and not that people are not not I think it's shocking that, that guys are getting paid. I think it's shocking that like the schools aren't lay aren't firing coaches. And uh, Rick Patino <laughs> remains the only guy that has gone down in all in any of this. This is this is hilarious. Did you did you see uh, right after the trial? I think this was last week, maybe like Thursday or something like that. Right after it came out that Rick Pitino, they they said in the trial, I can't remember who exactly it was, but whoever was testifying was basically like Rick Pitino had no idea yeah, what was yeah, going on, yeah. and, and it was it was and it was basically like a joke, you know? Yeah, it was, it was like, Vital. It was like he was the, so Dick Vital out. was the one testifying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no, well, Dick Vitale was the guy on Periscope saying, I told you, baby, I told you. Oh, Rick, come on, Rick. No, not like this. 
I heard and uh, someone told so me that Rick Pitino is he's being supported by Dick Vitale. I think he's going to be back very soon. Oh, he's definitely going to be back. Trial, which is good news. This is this is the, the this is what I, I guess is the ultimate point here is that Rick Pitino is coming back. He's the only one that went down for this. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Rick Pitino. Uh, um, <laughs> I was I heard myself say Rick Pitino is the only one that went down, and I was trying to think of a, a joke to make, but. Uh, um, no, so as more time goes on, it and came no, up fast. Yeah, there you go. As more time goes on, and and Rick Pitino remains the only coach to get fired, and and more shit comes out about what Will Wade is allegedly doing and what Sean Miller is allegedly doing. I don't even know if we need to keep saying allegedly at this point. Um, and those guys are keeping <laughs> their jobs, and the NCAA is not doing anything about it. Everyone's gonna look at Rick Pitino and be like, "What did he do? What? 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 Just, just some hookers? <laughs> just some hookers?" Some guys had said, and and I'm, listen, it was it was a bigger deal than that. I'm not I'm not saying that's how I feel. I'm saying that's how the general public is going to feel. That's how like athletic directors are going to feel. And he, this man is going to get hired somewhere because they're going to realize like this isn't even when all the dust settles on all this and all the FBI stuff and all the scandals that have happened in college basketball in the last five years or whatever. Rick Pitino won't even be in the top five or ten, and someone will give him another chance. And I don't know who that someone's going to be, but I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to find out either. I will say this. It kind of reminds me of, you know, the bar is set so low with the the morality standards in college basketball that, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago, Kelvin Sampson calling guys during a dead period when it, when it, it was frowned upon for him to do such a thing. In fact, it was illegal, according to the NCAA uh, code at the time that you couldn't call these guys. That was looked down as some, uh, you know, terrible sin against the game of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Woe is me. So the bar is set at that standard, you know, calling guys and you shouldn't be calling guys. And then you, you you put it up a decade later and now, you know, that's, that's not so, that's not so bad. Everyone's kind of like Kelvin Sampson got a little bit of a raw deal at IU based on what we're seeing today. So the bar gets lower. James Cameron is very upset right now. So he's trying to raise the bar, but it continues to go down and down and down uh, into the abyss uh, here in college basketball. And then I'm just thinking a decade from now, we're going to be looking back and saying, you know, just calling guys during a dead period, is is not is going to be basically nothing, and then the Rick Pitino, you know, hooker thing, you know, that's not so bad. So the yeah. bar will just continue to go so well, it, far down into the depths of the sea, and we're just going to find out what's down there. And it's obviously going to be more and more monsters, and it's going to be great. That's already uh, happening. That's what college though. basketball, the CBB monsters. That's already yeah. happening with all the the guy, the coaches paying players. Of, uh, I mean, the people that aren't really into college basketball and don't really care and don't understand why amateur, why the amateur model needs to exist anyway. Um, they're all ro- that's that, that might be why it's not a bigger story is because everyone's just rolling their eyes and like these guys deserve to be paid anyway. So who gives a shit if these coaches are paying the players? I don't. How is that a scandal? That's already kind of happening where <laughs> everyone's downplaying. It's like, well, we give a shit because this is literally the the opposite of what the NCAA stands for. This is a, this spits in the eye of the entire purpose of this organization. So that is kind of a problem. This undermines, you create an entity that stands for one thing, and then the entire, every member of that entity is undermining it with their behavior uh, directly and, and in a polar opposite way of what the thing stands for. Probably a problem. Probably something that needs to be addressed at some point. But uh, the general public is just like, yeah, the guys are getting paid. Good for them. They deserve the money. Um, so yeah, I, I, long story short, Patino's going to be back. Patino is definitely going to be back. Uh, the, the other, the one other thing I want to say, man, is like, as we're talking about all this, and you're talking about Book Richardson saying, uh, "It's my word against theirs." 
and you got all you got these guys like throwing all these other programs out of the bus and they're bringing in football their the programs and they're they're mentioning they're just mentioning everybody they're like everybody does it and they start naming all these other schools and they have some evidence for some of them like no evidence for others it's just the guy just feels like dropping names and dropping uh, uh, programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that is part of what has made this whole thing messy and made people not care as well, is that uh, it's hard to discern like what there's evidence for and what there's not and how much we should care about, you know, because like when, when guys are up on the stand, they're like, yeah, everyone's doing man. Every Nike school, Duke and Carolina and Kentucky and Oklahoma State. And, and they're just going down the list and you're like, all right, so that's pretty damning that you said Iowa State is paying players, but like, do we actually have any evidence <laughs> of that, or is, are you just throwing them in there because they have a Nike check on their jerseys and you just want to say that every Nike school is doing it? Um, so then when, when it, it it just it just makes the whole thing messy. Uh, I step back like this is this is our job. This is what we do for a living as we cover this shit. Uh, I mean, I, I want to say not directly the the trials and stuff, more the basketball, but that seems to be what our jobs are now is covering the trials. Um, and even I get confused by it all. And I, I forget like who is actually implicated, who was actually named in reports, who was on wiretaps, who is whatever, because all these guys testifying are just, are just naming anything they can. Cause they're, cause they're all idiots. And I've made this point before, like the what last off season, right before the season started, we were talking about the trials. Um, I think I, in my mind, when all the FBI stuff happened and blew up, um, I pictured just a scene where all the players in this game were high level, were calculated, were smart, knew what they were doing, uh, just had this thing down to a science. And the more they talk and the more information that comes out, you realize that everyone involved in this is a fucking idiot. And they're they're all B what is it, B list players that that they call the uh, Dawkins. Um that's pretty much everybody. Yes. And they're all idiots. They're trying to cover their own asses and it's it's a total mess. And you it, it puts it on us, us being the 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 public, to weed through what's being said and all that kind of shit. And at a certain point, you just kind of get exhausted, and you're like, I, I have other things to do, man. I have a life to live. I can't sit here and read Dan Wetzel's tweets and and figure out, like, what actually matters in all of this and what doesn't. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the point that I've gotten to. And and I say this as a guy who covers college basketball for a living, so I can't imagine what just, like, random people across the country that are, like, kind of into college basketball but also, like, have real jobs and real lives. Um, at a certain point, they're just like, I don't know, just call me – Call me when when teams get the death penalty. That's all I really care about because I can't keep following this. This is getting exhausting. That's what I really want to ask. I mean, that's pretty much the next step is basically will the NCAA decide that's the way to get rid of all this is just to to take what's happening in this trial, to look at in Arizona and to say we're going to do everything here that we can as far as punishment to say this won't be allowed in the game and and try to keep up the the whole facade that that is the case that it's a an isolated incident because that's pretty much the whole the whole problem with the whole trial is that like you said you just can sprinkle and throw out any other name in any other school and everyone you know every single person that's that's reading it or hearing it goes oh yeah that makes sense mm -hmm. and that goes to show that there's that's the problem with everything is that if, if anyone can be implicated, then it's not an isolated incident, but we treat in, in all these trials, whether it be the NCAA and now the FBI, as if it's, if it's these three guys from Adidas that are doing this and they, they're trying to beat the system and the system's fine, but it's these independent operators that are doing this. No, it's they're operating because everyone is operating under the same guys. And, and I've talked to you about this before. I mean, it's sort of a gentleman's game. It's a gentleman's agreement that goes into a lot of these recruitments where 
they'll know a kid. They all know the kids. I mean, it's not hard to know who is, if you watch 12 guys on a court, uh, you know, as far as like a team, if you watch their 12 guys versus the other 12 guys, you can see who's going to be the five-star guy that's going to go to a certain type of school, whether it be a Duke, Kansas, Syracuse, Carolina, whatever it may be. And then it sort of filters down as far as the talent pool. And then those top guys are in the same bidding pool and they're bidding for the same guy. I mean, if you break it down, it's really messed up. And then it goes all the way down from the five-star guys that are here at the top to the four-star guys and on and on and on and so on. So what happens is... And then the three-star guys. And then the two-star guys. And then the one-star guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no one cares about one or two-star guys uh, unless they're Luke May and they're a walk-on. But as as you go down, it's basically like if someone like a Rick Stansberry does independently operate, he's independently operating within a larger game that everyone understands. He just decides hey, I want that five-star guy to come here and I'm going to make sure it happens. Mm-hmm. So he's basically just, he's annoying the people that are in the game, but it is what it is. It's like he he's making a name for himself doing that. But th- the game is the game. And uh, I think that's the whole point of this whole trial is to point that out. But I think we all know that's the case. We would just rather be blind and not hear about it uh, and act like it's not happening and try to live in the bubble that it isn't happening. And uh, for the most part, I mean, the best thing that I saw in the whole trial was uh, as they were describing, I think it was Merle Code was describing the breakdown. He he was like, you know, Duke's going to do what they have to do to get a guy. Kentucky's going to do what they have to do to get a guy. UNC is UNC, Uh, which I told you (laughs) it may sound like a little thing. But I'll take that because that means that there's something that we're doing something different. I don't know if it means I don't know what uh, it may mean. I mean, I have my ideas behind that. But, uh, you know, shout out to Chick Deegan uh, and he got game. Maybe that's the way that we handle things. But uh, I like UNC as UNC. uh, And that's the only thing I can hold on to. But the rest of it, it's all the same game. And that's the whole point. Spot the lie. UNC is UNC. Is is he wrong? Yes. Is he wrong? I don't think he is. I think that's factually correct. UNC is UNC. Uh. One more point that needs to be made is that this it is happening everywhere, but it's not happening everywhere. <laughs> and that's part of Yes. That's part of what makes it messy as well, is you can't just nuke the entire the entire college basketball landscape and just say, like, just let's start from scratch, nuke the whole thing. Because there are a lot of programs, a lot of successful programs that are doing it the right way, that are not cheating. Um I mean, shit are national champions. I'm not saying Virginia I will never be surprised if any program is cheating if it comes out that Tony Bennett is paying players. I will not be shocked, I guess I should say. I would be slightly surprised. Um, but for the most part, like, yeah, th- th- there's not a sniff of that at, at Virginia, and Virginia just won the national championship. So this idea that we should just nuke the all of college basketball and start from scratch, like, if I'm a Virginia fan, I'm like, now hang on a second. Why do we need to do that? Why don't we just punish the cheaters? Like, those of us that are doing it the right way and winning titles, uh, why should we be punished for this? So that's what makes it complicated as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, it, it's 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 crazy how exhausting and and just kind of over it people are that this wasn't even this didn't even really scratch the surface of of making at least for, for me like it, and from what I could tell in terms of like what was going on like shit just get on Twitter and look at the trending topics on Twitter and there's never it's never like Christian Dawkins or Sean Miller or Will Wade it's because uh, no one gives a shit at this point unless you're really really deep into college basketball so uh, with that being said let's move on because no one does give a shit Tate let's take a break we'll come back. And talk about. I want to talk about the playoffs a little bit because I I did watch uh, a little bit of NBA playoffs and I have some thoughts. All right, quick break to talk about Hulu. Hulu is paying some of the league's best players a lot of money to do some pretty crazy stuff. Joel changed his nickname from the process to Joel. Hulu has live sports and bead. 
Damian Lillard got a tattoo that says Hulu has live sports. Clearly, they really want you to know that Hulu has live sports. Get over 60 live and on-demand channels, tons of shows and movies, and exclusive originals with Hulu. Get rid of your cable and make the switch for only $45 a month. Watch your favorite teams and the biggest games all season with no cable required. Watch on the go and on all your favorite devices. Live TV plan is required. Restrictions do apply, as always. Learn more at Hulu.com. We also want to talk about our good friends at Away. Away offers high-quality luggage at a much lower price by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. Choose from nine colors and four sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, which is kind of like the carry-on, but a little bit bigger. Uh, Both of which are compliant, by the way, with all the major U.S. airlines. The medium or the large. All suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, which is lightweight and unrivaled in strength, and impact resistance. And the 360-degree spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride. Best of all, both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge anything that's powered by a USB cord. That is right, folks. You can charge your phone from your suitcase. Wait, what? And thanks to their lifetime warranty, if anything breaks, Away will fix or replace it. Try it for 100 days, and if at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Away sent me, Kyle, a... uh, um, a, a white oh, I saw. small carry-on the, the just the normal carry-on the one feature that I was losing my mind over is the lock feature where you put like your little zippers into the lock yes, and then you flip me. the tab and the zippers pop out and that's how you unlock it it's, looks it's, important are you telling me your sweet. wheels turn 360 three, yeah you just spin the wheels oh like God. it's 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 wild it's uh I, I was like a little kid like I was I was enjoying all the features that are actually like the bells and whistles yeah, as they say the bells and whistles they got me that, that was worth the price of the suitcase uh alone for twenty dollars off a suitcase visit awaytravel.com slash shining and use promo code shining during checkout that's awaytravel.com slash shining and use promo code shining for twenty dollars off a suitcase all right tate uh we have to talk about the we don't have to but we do work at the ringer.com so um i think we have to uh, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs a little bit, only because this happens every year. Uh, we, you, you and I, we, we, we kind of make we, we make jabs at the NBA throughout the season, but we both love the NBA. We love basketball. We, we are. It's like me, you, Rosillo, and like four other people on Earth who just love both types of basketball. Um, but through circumstance, we obviously end up watching exclusively, not exclusive, mostly college basketball. Ninety-five percent college basketball throughout the season. I, I catch like one NBA game every so often throughout the season. And then college ends, and I really get into the NBA playoffs. And I, I it, it always happens every single year, the whiplash of going from watching college to watching NBA and just how completely different of a sport it is. It, it always blows my mind. And watching Rockets-Warriors game one, it, the only thought I had, like as the, the way the Rockets and the Warriors both play at this point, it feels like I'm watching a pickup basketball game where – you're playing by ones and twos, and one of the team you're playing to like 21, say, and one of the team has one of the teams has 19, and as soon as they get to 19, it's like we're we're just jacking the three, no matter what. We we have to hit the the two point shot to win this thing. That's how like the the Rockets would shot fake. They drive in, and then they realize like shit, I'm inside the three point line. This isn't what I want. I want a three, and then they'll like step back and shoot like uh, contested fadeaway threes, just because if they shoot it within inside the three point line then it's like it doesn't count. We have to shoot it from outside the three-point line. And I'm not saying that this is a horrible way of playing basketball because all the stat nerds that have run the algorithms in the NBA say that like this is the most efficient shit, whatever. It's just like you watch these games and you think like... I, I always watch the NBA playoffs and think, could this happen in college? And more and more with each passing year, I watch it and I say, 
there's no fucking way that any coach in college basketball would allow this to happen. And the most glaring example of that is is um, is the Rockets, how they play. The Warriors, obviously, like Durant is, is, is playing out of his mind, taking like wild shots, but they're all going in. Uh, Damian Lillard's game winner, like is it, Paul George comes out and says it's a bad shot. And me as a college basketball fan, I'm like, yes, Paul, yes, bad shot. Work the ball. Let's get a, let's get a better shot. Like Tony Bennett would not stand for that shit. He, he would work the ball, work the shot clock a little bit. Um, so I don't know, man. The, the, I, I just I just wanted to like kind of mm-hmm. vent a little bit because uh, I'm I'm not. It's not like even it's not even frustration. It's just like an observation. It's like. God damn, this is a completely, completely different sport than college basketball. And and I always get reminded of it this time of year. I was gonna say, and then the stat nerds come out and they say Dame Lillard's, you know, seven for eight from shots beyond right. th- beyond thirty feet, and he is uh shoots actually sixty seven percent from that spot. So why doesn't he shoot more than why doesn't he shoot thirty seven yeah, footers I'm, every time? That's what I don't understand. Stop. It's <laughs> I think uh, here's how I'll explain the difference between the two sports. It's basically like in college basketball, we just have one guy to point to as far as one, we have Kim Palm. So we just have to deal with one guy, mm-hmm. one statistician, one person that's breaking it all down. And Kim Palm says this, we all abide by it. We live by the Bible of Kim Palm and we move on in the, in the NBA. It's all splintered up. Everyone has their different opinions. They're fighting back and forth and bickering. And it happens in the same way. The biggest thing that I noticed, Mark Titus, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's the way that all the players in the playoffs this year, I mean, obviously it goes way, way, way back, but they they all try to manipulate the officials mm-hmm. on every single play. And I think one thing that I really appreciate about college basketball is that the coaches do that. Like, that's the thing that college basketball players, that if they do any of that, they get teed up pretty much, mm-hmm. and they don't really have much to say to the officials at all. In the NBA, it is the opposite of that. There is no the coach. Steve Kerr is not saying anything to the ref because Draymond has already cursed him out uh, and taken him down the river at this point. And Steve Kerr, and then Draymond's looking at Steve Kerr and he's like, "What do you think, coach?" And he's like, "Yeah, just keep on doing what you're doing." Turns away and goes, mumbles under his breath, "This uh-huh. is bullshit." I mean, that's pretty much every every game that I'm watching so far. So much so that last night, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's like complaining with the official. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm just like, this is every single time in the NBA. And it also can be argued both ways just by how the rules are. Right. James Harden is right in the sense that the rule says that if he can't land when he goes up for the shot, it is a foul. So he has a- absolutely every right to argue for the call. But in the in the you know quintessential, you talk about playing, you know, ones and twos to 21. No one's going to call that foul. Right. And if you call that foul, then we all know what that means. You know what I mean? So right. it's like. It's the philosophy of what basketball is at large versus what the NBA game is. And I think that they're coming to a head. Uh, and that's why you see Kawhi Leonard arguing. That's why you also see James Harden arguing. But they're but they're arguing for different things. And then at the end of the day, everyone is just arguing with the officials. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually liked what Greg Anthony said uh, last night. And uh, basically his idea was we have three officials out there. They're expected to make every single call to see if a guy goes straight up and down to see if a guy's foot's on the line as he takes a three or, you know, whatever it may be. And why don't we just add a fourth official? And that person, I think they should just add a fourth official that's kind of just like a hard ass. And he's just an arbitrator. You know what I mean? Like he just comes into the meeting with, with, you know, whoever's young, Chris Paul's young at the official. Then the the fourth guy comes in and he basically just, you know, locks it up and tells them why it's a foul and they move on. And he's just strong as yeah, it looks like Mike Bibby. Like I think Mike <laughs> Bibby should be the fourth official. It's Ed Hockley. Um <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, have have the guy sit there. Have have the fourth guy officiate uh, from. Yeah, so we could have a mediator, but then have a fifth official. Then have the have have the mediator be the fifth official. <laughs> the fourth official 
is sitting at the scorer's table just watching the game on TV, and but he has a whistle that works. It is hooked up to the whole thing. So he's he's just watching the game like a fan would be at home, and he can he can still make calls like basically from the couch, and he's he's there at the scores table. Maybe that's a solution. Um, but no, you're right. It's it's hilarious. To, it's hilarious <laughs> to me that uh, in the playoffs and the NBA playoffs, like what what is the the cutoff point of technicals? Like if you get seven techs, you're suspended or something throughout the whole playoffs. Yeah, it, it's an yeah. astro. In my Third mind, game. it's an astronomically high number. Seven technical fouls over the course of the playoffs, and you're suspended. And it's so funny the way these talking heads talk about this thing. As, as, Draymond's the most obvious example of it, where it's like, he's got to be careful. You only get seven texts throughout the playoffs. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Seven technical fouls? I've been, I played basketball for 20 years of my life, and I got like three technical fouls in my entire life, and they were all when I was in fourth grade. And I would just like kick the bench when I would get called for a foul or something. Like... How can how can a grown man get seven technical fouls? I, I don't understand it. It's 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 like staggering to me that this is a thing where it, everyone's like kind of like you should get suspended if you get two. Honestly, if if you're that big of a dumbass, you get two. But you, as you said, it's just like a completely different culture where the players are expected to bitch to the refs versus college. Where if a player if a player did some of the shit that the, the these players are doing to refs in college. They would they would be expelled from school. They would be like they would never get to step foot on a college basketball court ever again the rest of their lives. Um, <laughs> Sean Miller would not get his return on investment if right. that were to happen. Yes, that would be a problem. Uh, I will say this: the the reason that the technical fouls, I think they have to have that limit, or, or at least they have that number, is because it works. Like when Draymond Green goes, but it's too high. Shit. It's too high uh, to have seven because no, Draymond but, knows he's like I get six freebies, so I'm just going to be a fucking dick in the first two rounds because. I get six of them. Well, I might as well use them. Um, it, it's it's crazy. I think but that's he, what, but yeah. But he's not getting the technical foul to to mess with. The, oh, basically, it's just to set the psyche for the Warriors. Is that like Draymond's yeah. Draymond's on one? Draymond set the tone for us. Draymond's oh, playing hardball, but he also it changes the way the officials sometimes call the game. Like it works. It's like, old that's big. the thing. It's like when Coach K when Coach K gets a technical, you know, back in the day it would change the way things would happen because, you know, he just threatened that guy's life and got a technical. Mm. So the guy starts calling the game a little differently. And that's a little bit what Draymond and some of these other guys are doing with the technical foul. And it's it's almost like its own weapon. It's his own skill set. The Bob Knight move. Um, it's, it's an old Big East yeah. mentality, I guess, of, of setting the tone. Uh, you, you brought up something about the basketball. I think this is, to me, the, about the, the just the the style of... of um, like the way they... We're talking about the way they call things, the... All that kind of stuff. This is to me why I think I like college more. And, and I want to reiterate that this is not a takedown of the NBA. It's just like this is my response to people that that wonder how could like how I I thought only inbreds like college basketball. How can you be an educated grown adult and still prefer watching college basketball players? You you do realize Tate. You do realize that the NBA players are more talented, right? I don't know if you're aware of that. The NBA players are more talented. Um, which, by the way, it, it, the next time I get I get told that my I, my response is going. To, the next time someone's like, "Yeah, I can't watch college because the NBA players are just so much better," my response is, "I, I got this lined up. I'm ready to use. It. I might use it on Bill's podcast next time I go on there." Um, is like that's what in that case, why not just watch the first like three minutes of the NBA All Star Game because it's just condensed. It's the ten best players in the world at the, <laughs> at the very start of the All Star Game, and then as soon as they start subbing guys in, I can't watch it anymore because I just want to watch the ten, literally the ten most talented guys in the world on the same court. Um, but the reason I like college more, Tate, is because as you said, like college to me, and this is the most Bob Knight thing of, I'll ever say in my life. College to me feels like it's basketball, and what I mean by that is like 
they have we have the rules of basketball, and we realize that like some of these rules fucking suck. Like the charge is horrible, and some of the ways that like we go about calling this stuff is horrible. And because because the NCAA and because college basketball is an amateur enterprise, wink wink. Uh, you know everyone's getting rich, but at the same time. At its core, it is still not, it hasn't completely sold out and become a professional sports league. Its obligation is not to necessarily entertain people. So as as boring as college basketball can be, like that's okay because college basketball is like, we're not trying to, it's not our goal to entertain everybody. We're just trying to play basketball. Whereas the NBA, like if the NBA runs a, a study and it says that, and they, they pull fans across the country and, and 98% of NBA fans would spend Two thousand more dollars a year on NBA basketball. If you added a twelve-point line, then the NBA is going to add a twelve-point line. They are one hundred percent going to add a twelve-point line because they're like, that's what the fucking fans want. We got to give it to them. And I feel like they tweak all these rules to make the game more exciting, and it is more exciting. Like the highlights are insane. The players are so fucking good in the NBA. It is so much fun to watch. But they've gotten to a point where they tweak all these rules, and it and and from my mind, as an outsider who just kind of pops in every so often to watch the NBA. It doesn't really resemble the college basketball that I, the, the the same brand of basketball they're playing in college. And you know, obviously, NBA fans are like, and thank God it doesn't. Um, but for me, it's like this is wild. And and you you get these you get the the end result where guys are arguing because no one even knows what the rules are anymore. You, you put in these landing rules, but no one knows what the landing rule even is. And um, it's just wild. It's become like a complete like it, it's it's almost like not even basketball to me because it's become all this other extracurricular stuff. So I kind of like don't want to watch, but then you, you do start watching and Kevin Durant is playing out of his mind. You're like, yes, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kawhi Leonard. Thank you guys for just being great basketball players because this is entertaining as hell. Anyway, that's all I really want to say. I've been it, watching a lot of this and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, everyone that's listening is going to misinterpret this as me bitching about the NBA. It's not. It's just, uh, I just become, I don't, I don't remember this being a thing when we were younger. I think that's what it is. Maybe I was just too stupid to know, but like when I was younger, it just felt like NBA was college basketball. It was like the same sport. It was just better players. And th- that divide is becoming so much bigger, it feels like, with each passing year of what the NBA and college is. And uh, I just find it interesting. I still love both, and I still will watch both. And I will watch, like, every game of the NBA playoffs now that there's not college basketball on. Um, but it's just it's, – it's wild to me to watch that that branching off happen. And then and – because then, if the college teams try to play like the NBA – that's the other thing is like usually the NBA teams, like when I was growing up, when I was in high school and stuff, even the high school teams, you'd watch what like teams are doing. Like my my high school coach tried to sprinkle in some like triangle offense shit because the Lakers were running the triangle with Phil and he, he would try to like throw in these principles and stuff. And there was this whole trickle down thing because like what was working at the NBA could theoretically work at every other level. But we've reached a point now where I don't think that's the case. I mean, you could... College teams are shooting a ton of threes, but it's more nuanced than that. It's not just, you can't just jack a bunch of threes and be like, yes, we're playing like the Warriors and Rockets now. We're going to find success. You can't just do that. Um, so that that's what's fascinating to me is as as that divide gets bigger, uh, the, the trickle down doesn't really happen. And it's almost making the divide even bigger because really the only thing that college teams can take from the pros that are successful is jack a ton of threes. And that is not always the best idea. That's my rant. That's all I have to say about that. That's always, yeah, that's not the best idea. And we should say, I mean, the N in NBA stands for nitpicky. I think that's the whole point of this. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's rules, rules manipulation to the fullest. Uh, and that's not a bad thing because it means you're smart enough to know what the rules are and know how to, you know, make things happen in the game. Like the Rockets put out this whole report that they lost 18 points in game one. 
You know what I mean? You're almost too yeah. smart at that point that you can go through the fouls and say, these are how many, these are the exact amount of points we lost in this game because of these calls. And they didn't go by the actual literal definition of the rule in the, in the rule book. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That to me, that's not basketball. That's like math class or some other schooling that I don't want to deal with. Uh, but that's, that's where we are with a lot of this stuff. And it also, I mean, with the way the media does everything with everyone wanting to be those stat nerds, I mean, it, it does, you know, everyone has to answer the bell when they get asked these questions. So I don't blame the teams for putting the stuff out. I don't blame the players because they're knowledgeable about what the rule is and they're trying to make things happen. I mean, James Harden is shooting and he's jumping two feet forward. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not dumb. That's smart. He's just saying that's what his natural shot motion is in that moment because his momentum is carrying him forward. It's not dumb. It's smart, but it's also annoying. And I think uh, that's right. That's one of the things that it comes down to. But I will say, I mean, I've been, I've been watching all these games. The most shocking result of this entire playoffs for me, and I mean, you you can chime in. I don't know if you watch this game or not, but the Celtics beating the Bucks mm-hmm. in that game one. Not that in the back of my mind going into the series, you know, you have this old school, you know, mentality where you're like, well, the Celtics, they have a mental edge over the Bucks. Bucks won their first series, uh, the first series they won since 2001. This is Giannis's deepest run in the playoffs. This is the first time being there, even though he's the MVP of the league this year. Who knows what he can do uh, in this big moment? So maybe you take the Celtics, but the Celtics, I mean, they they don't do much for me defensively as a team. They can come together, and Horford, you know, is a great communicator on defense. I mean, that that's probably the nicest thing I can say about their team. So I expected the Bucks game one at home to get some home cooking. But they just played. I mean, Terry Rozier is very underrated. Shout out Rick Pitino for being a great coach for him. He's been great. And I can't believe the Bucs lost that game. I can't believe the Celtics blew him out. I could I could see the Celtics winning a tight game there, but I did not expect them to blow him out. And the Bucs just look confused uh, the entire time. So my biggest takeaway so far is that I think the Celtics right now look like a team that could go to the mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the damn finals, which I can't believe I'm saying that uh, because I really thought the Bucs were that team. And Kawhi Leonard is an absolute machine. He goes right to where he wants his spot right there on the elbow. He's going to make that jumper every time, or he's going to fake you and take you to the basket every time and get an easy bucket. So uh, shout out to Ben Simmons though, last night playing good defense on him. And those are all my NBA playoffs thoughts. I think thanks Mark. Titus. I'm with you on the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> Brad Stevens is putting himself in a great position where if, if he can take the Celtics to the finals, I really do think he's got a shot to someday become the head coach of your Indiana university Hoosiers. I think oh, yes. that is in play. He's doing uh, a great job selling himself yeah, for that he's, program. He's doing a fantastic job. I think IU fans are going to get very excited as this goes on. Um, Brad Stevens is from Indiana. Uh, it, it makes sense. It all checks out. So he could, he could. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to watch that. I, I do think uh, I'm starting to get sucked into the idea that the, the a Warriors title is not inevitable. Um, this is the first time I've felt this for a while, and uh, that's kind of cool. So I, I am I am into the playoffs. I'm 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 very excited to see what happens, uh, and I'll be watching all these games. So we'll probably talk more about the playoffs. This isn't this isn't the end of this. We are we are brilliant basketball minds, and those those basketball minds translate to the NBA. So, um, all right, we're gonna take another break. We're gonna come back, wrap all this shit up, and get out of here. One more break to talk about the Black Tux. Weddings can have 99 problems, but the groom's look should not be one. That's why the BlackTux.com designs rental suits and tuxedos that you'll love. So even if you end up getting featured on a list of 23 epic wedding fails, at least you'll look good for your close-up. The Black Tux has an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Pick a style at TheBlackTux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. The Black Tux also has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, 
They will ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. With over 5,000 five-star reviews, you won't find a rental experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. It is wedding season, folks. It is coming up quickly. The summer, there, there are even if you don't think you're going to weddings, you are going to be going to weddings. You will be asked to go to weddings. Uh, listen, they, the, the Black Tux is, most people use this if they're in the wedding. Pull a power move. Get a tuxedo uh-huh. if you're just going to attend a wedding. Wow. That's a big time power. Obviously, don't get the same tuxedo that the the, 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 the yeah. party is wearing. Get a different tuxedo. But uh, you know, there, there's never as Tate and I learned from going to the Final Four. There's never a scenario where wearing a tuxedo is a bad idea. Just always wear a tuxedo. So that's my advice. Go go use the black tux. You will be going to weddings. As I said, I'm old enough. I've learned this, Kyle. Even when you think you have no weddings on the docket weddings pop up your third cousin is suddenly yeah, invited so. yeah and then it's been to one wedding since i was 11 no shit yeah all right you can be my plus one to some of these that I yes have to all right rent your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 20 dollars off with code shining that's theblacktux.com code shining for 20 dollars off your purchase back to the podcast all right, screw it. Before it, screw it. I, I changed my mind, Tate. I said at the top we weren't going to talk that much about Game of Thrones, but you know we do work at the Ringer. We we hit the. We just talked about the NBA. Um, the the reason I wanted to, I I, I thought as we were, as we were taking a break, we were talking about this, and uh, I I figured we might as well flesh it out on the podcast. Um, who who blew who who did a a worse job with their stacked roster this season? Was it Coach K or was it the Night King? This is what you and I were talking about. Oh. Um, and yes. uh, again, again, this conversation started as a, a sarcastic exercise in our free time. And now it has turned into podcast content because, again, it is the offseason. And uh, that is what the O stands for right now. So, yes, please continue, Mark Tatis. Well, who I guess like this, this could be the exercise if, if we're going to do the Game of Thrones thing is um, <coughs> who are all the, the college basketball equivalent? characters a game of thrones i wish i would have prepped for this i wish i would have actually like flesh this out maybe maybe we shouldn't do this we should save this for another podcast i actually that's what we're going to do we're going to do this we're going to do this next week or so i really want to we should have rosillo come do this uh with with us or something um but I, I i just thought i was watching the uh the 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 game of thrones thing and um yeah <laughs> the, game the game of thrones, thrones show the the episode <laughs> the latest episode the night king is coach k is he not tate this this all this all checks out. He's, I mean, he's this is this 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 presence. He he he's he. Everyone's terrified of him. He he rules everything. Like as soon as you see him, you're shitting your pants. You're like, holy shit, that guy is the night. And then he uh he can't even make the final four with with the fucking White Walkers and and an army full of dead people. It's unbelievable. He can't even make the final. It was he didn't even make the title game. There's still three episodes left. That's what's crazy. I don't get it. Let alone win I a think, title. Yeah, I think the only diff. I think the only difference is that, you know, the Night King is done. The Night King is dead. Coach K is everlasting. I mean, mm. Coach K, he's already back. He's already got a number one class. He already won the offseason. What's the Night King's recruiting and, class and look these like days, next <laughs> Yeah, I know. The, the Night, I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty disappointed at how it all played out as far as the Night King actually being dead and this just being the long night. I, I thought that we had a lot more Night King and, and Army of the Dead action to come. So the fact that that's over and now it's just human to human contact, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of an allegory for what it will be when Coach K finally does leave Duke because, you know, I enjoy, uh, you know, talking on the talk and 
you know, making fun of Coach K and all of his antics at Duke. But once I lose, you know, the threat of such domination, uh, you know, devilish, dom- devilish domination across the board, uh, I just don't think it's going to feel the same. I'm not going to be as into it. So, uh, Coach K, that's my that's my message to Coach K. Please don't go down. I, I would say Aria was Cash Winston. Cash Winston was Aria right. in this case right. this year, if you want to keep it just to this season. That was, that was the stab in the back. And, like, Cash just fits the profile of an Aria. Uh, so that would check out, but I, I don't want Coach K to go. That's what I've learned in the off season. I, I don't want him to be just like the Night King and just go away in an instant. I need him to stay around. Who is? I'm trying to think of who Brand would be. We really should do this. We should really do this. I don't, Mark Emmert. Mark Emmert. <laughs> he just sits there. He, he closes his eyes. And he's he like, just there. he just he's like, I'm gonna leave now. Like the, the FBI is like, look at all, the this, out of here. all this evidence we have, Mark. He's like, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm going to whiten my eyeballs so I don't have to see any of this shit. And uh, <laughs> and then Coach K is coming to kill him. That's and he, <laughs> yeah, Coach K is taking over. There will be no NCAA. <laughs> Sean Miller is uh Sean Miller is uh Melisandre. She he comes in, he just like burns fucking everything <laughs> yeah. to the ground, but then he disappears and he never is actually like a main character. He's like he's a, he's yeah. an important he's an ancillary guy that like just fucking brings the fire and and is and is fueling the plot, but uh at the end of the day never actually matters that much um to <laughs> And DeAndre Ayton, he's the Dothraki, and Sean Miller lights up their swords. And then the the Army of the Dead, the original Army of the Dead, Buffalo, knocked them out. And Tim Miles is is Sam, just on the ground crying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good guy, don't kill me. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. Uh, What else... Maybe we don't need to do this. <laughs> Maybe that's enough. I think that's plenty. Um, what what else do we got to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, I just want to keep. I mean, can we bring it back to just the trial? I mean, I just Please think do. that I I thought this would be bigger. It was just a bigger. I just thought it'd be a bigger news story. All in all, is what I'll say. I mean, there's literally conversations in here about Javon Quinterly's mother again, the mother taking five thousand dollars a month for three months. And do the math. That's fifteen thousand dollars to make sure that she goes to Arizona, and he mm-hmm. commits to Arizona. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is all being discussed, but no one, no one seems to care. I mean, everyone's talking about Game of Thrones Endgame. Can I ask you about Endgame? I dude, can. Are you going to talk about that? Because when did you go to that? Was it packed? I went on Saturday. I didn't like, go to are that. You, do you want me to spoil I'm shit going or tonight? Or? Chill. I'm going no, tonight. No, Kyle, Kyle hasn't seen it. So going tonight. What do you want me? What do you, okay, spoil, spoil it. Anything. Spoil it. God I'm going to do the thing. Please I'm gonna, don't spoil I'll, it. I'll do the thing where where people say. All right, you haven't seen it? Okay, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but... Uh, and then they say something. Yeah, then like, they spoil it. Earmuffs, Kyle. If you ever put but after I'm not going to spoil anything, you're you're a dick. Just just stop talking. Um, no, the scene the scene was cool. I went to... It was a packed theater. I, I went on like a Saturday afternoon. It was just the middle. <coughs> I, I didn't think... I, I didn't actually like really want to see it. And then I was like, yeah, I might as well go fucking see it. I don't have anything better to do. And then I found like one seat on one of those apps that... Uh, and I just went by myself and sat there and... Oof. People were crying. The guy next to me, there was a guy sitting next to me that was like sobbing and was trying to not make it obvious that he was sobbing. That was hysterical. Yeah, he was just like, he he was like, (laughs) like doing that over and over. Uh, It was hilarious. Um, And then there's a lot of clapping as well, which is like a weird experience. Like I'm not making fun of these people. It's just. uh, I'll make fun of them. Yeah, go ahead, make Star fun. Wars nerds or Marvel nerds? I, I'm not. I'm. I'm really not making fun of them. I'm just saying it's like a different. I'm, I'm just observing. Marvel nerds are worse. I'm yeah. observing. Nerds are worse. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, Marvel to me, it was like, I, I, my thing was like the 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 Marvel stuff feels just like a kid's thing where it's like, it's fun, it's cool. I don't really think about it. I don't really care. <laughs> it's just like, there's some explosions and then Spider-Man shoots shit out of his wrist and you're just like, cool, man. That's, he that's dies, cool. He dies, but he's not dead. And then like know. Game of Thrones feels like the adult thing where like I really fucking get into it and I break it down and I, I have a real... I'm really invested in the theories and stuff. Like the Marvel stuff happens, and I don't even care. I'm like, you can you can make up anything. You yeah. can just nobody the, bleeds, right? Yeah, I mean, nobody bleeds. Like, like I don't know, like, whatever. Or really like you know, they just it's, get. It's, oh, it's I'm hurt. Yeah, it's really all that. Happens. No, it's good. Um, I want to talk about this though, <laughs> tape before we go. Uh, Chris Beard signed a six year contract extension, quietly. Um, very quietly, four point five seven five million dollars a year. Uh, puts him. I believe he's like fifth highest coach, <laughs> fifth highest paid coach behind K Cal. Uh, self and um, Barnes, yeah, Rick Barnes, Dabo Sweeney, and Dabo, Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, so uh, that's impressive. It it, it is because Chris Beard. We the, the rumors that are swirling. These are not our rumors. These are uh, you know, we're, we are plugged in to the to the college basketball world. We hear things. We meet people. We we are in these meetings with uh, we go to these speakeasies where where our types are dishing out information, dishing out the scoops and whatnot. Um, is that mm-hmm. that Chris Beard wants to go to Texas? That's what we we keep hearing. Everybody, you hear from everybody is that he's got his eye on Texas. Like he he was never <laughs> interested in UCLA. He had his eye on Texas. Uh, I I don't know if I have my eye on Texas if I'm Chris Beard anymore. I'm sure he still will because Texas will come in and be like, "Here's eight million dollars a year, Chris." And he's like, "All right, that sounds good too." Um, but no, it's interesting because I I could now envision a world where he does stay at Texas Tech for a long time. So there's that. I mean, I think it'd be great for Texas Tech. I think that buyouts exist for a reason. I think, uh, I just think it's a nice, it's, it's a nice thing to say that he's not trying to ditch right now, which I think but, uh, I mean, says so a lot about Chris Beard. If you're Chris Beard. After the, I think he has a little bit of the stink on him after the UNLV thing, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. a nice, he, he has to show his loyalty right. uh, to this program. And I mean, they go to the title game for the first time. I think, I think it's all in good faith that he's doing this, which so is uh, you, good to see. If you're Chris Beard, the reason you go to Texas is because you say to yourself, like, one money, I want a, I want a shit ton of money, and I want a higher salary, which Texas Tech, yeah, is, has, money. Texas Tech has already paid you a ton. I'm, Texas will find a way to pay you more, but it's not going to be that much more. It's not like he was making $1.7 million and now Texas is going to offer him six, and he's like, well, I kind of have to take that. That's a ton of money, because whatever Texas offer him isn't going to be that much i maybe it probably will it's texas uh, that we're talking about they'll find it they'll find a way <laughs> yes. but theoretically now that he's a fifth highest now that he's a fifth highest paid coach uh money is kind of not as as important to that the second one would be for me it, it, this is just how i would think about it if i was a coach is i want resources to win a national championship i want i want basketball to be a priority at this school i want to know that you are going to give me the resources the recruiting budget the facilities all that shit uh, to, to win a national championship. He already has that at Texas Tech. He proved that. He was one shot away from winning the title. If DeAndre Hunter misses the three in the corner, Texas Tech wins the national championship. He's already he's already got that locked up. Really, the only thing is Lubbock versus Austin. Like, which city would you rather live in? And objectively, Austin is the better city, but maybe he's endearing himself. Like, Lubbock, and he, he's got a thing going with Lubbock fans now. The, the people of Lubbock and that whole culture and the old town road coming on at the, at the Final Four and all these guys with cowboy hats getting up and losing their fucking minds. Like maybe he, maybe he loves that now. So I don't know that, that, that to me is like the only thing now is like, I, he just wants to live in Austin, Texas rather than Lubbock because other than that, as it stands right this second, um, I'm not sure what Texas can offer him that Texas tech can, if Texas tech is paying him that much money. So that's what, that's what makes it interesting to me. That's all. 
Yeah, so. absolutely. The fact that Texas Tech was willing to pony up and make it happen, I think that's great. And I will say this. I mean, Old Town Road, the remix, it played above me on Saturday night at uh, my new neighbor's apartment for God only knows, probably like an hour and a half oh, straight. No. So uh, I'm over that song. I hope Chris Beard will get over that song soon. Uh, and then also, uh, Iron Man has 75,000 murders, by the way. Do you guys know that? Wait, what? <laughs> 75,000 kills. Yeah. We did. We learned this on Against All Odds. That was the, the prop of the week. Who has more kills over the weekend, Arya Stark or Tony Stark? In his lifetime of being a, a Marvel Avenger or whatever he is, Iron Man has 75,000 kills. So we're going through like comics and movies and everything? No, we're talking about like in the movies because he blew up like a spaceship full of like 69,000 uh, people or something. Nice. Nice. 69, nice. Uh, Tate... Something Let, like that. Tate, let's leave with this. Say goodbye to uh, Seventh Woods for me. Say, give your give your Seventh Woods <sighs> speech. You were one of the one of the the last remaining. Maybe not the the last, but um, you love Seventh Woods more than most people, even Carolina fans. Like there was something about Seventh Woods. You always <coughs> love this guy. I think it's because you saw his mixtape when you were like six years old, whatever it was, because that mixtape came out like God, fifteen years ago. It feels like at this point. Um, and Seventh Woods has been a legend on the mixtape streets. He commits to Carolina. You were excited about it. Even as he was coming off the bench and wasn't really as great as his mixtape suggested, you still believed in him. And then since we lasted a podcast, uh, after Cole Anthony commits to Carolina, Seventh Woods has announced that he will be transferred from North Carolina. So Cole world. say your goodbyes and we will leave. Seventh Woods, uh, the story goes, I used to go to the CP3 camp. Uh one year in 2012, 2013, actually, I went to the CP3 camp. There were three point guards in a group going at, at each other the entire time. One was by the name of Dennis Smith Jr., Junior Smith. One was by the name of Trey Jones. I mean, not Trey Jones, Tyus Jones. And then the other, Seventh Woods. All three of these guys going at each other. And the best player that day was, of course, Seventh Woods. Mm. And I knew about Seventh Woods from his mixtape, dunking at Hammond High School, doing all this crazy stuff. Everyone adored seven Wood, Seventh Woods. He was going to come be the point guard, the chosen son. He came when nobody wanted to come to North Carolina. He won a national championship his freshman year, played in the title game against Gonzaga. And, you know, for what it's worth, Seventh got the seventh title for North Carolina. Mm. And that is destiny, my friends. Good luck, Seventh Woods, wherever he goes. I mean, and if you don't, if you don't love Tiger Woods, if you don't love Seventh Woods, then you can get out of here because we're in the woods and uh, I'll stay in the woods with Seventh forever. He's the best. Good luck to seventh. My heart will go on. <laughs> All right. That's the show. Goodbye to seventh woods. Uh, do, do we know where he's going? Pour here? one out. Do we know where he's going? He, he doesn't. Do we have any idea? South Carolina was the, the thing. He did. We have no idea where he's going. There's so many transfers. No one knows where they're going. Blackshear, no. we got to figure out. There's a bunch of guys. Seventh woods still, still working through it. A lot no. of people think he's going to go to South Carolina to Frank Martin. Yeah. I would love that. So That'd be hopefully cool. he figures it out. All right. That's the show. We'll be back next week. We're going to, uh, we, we have something planned next week. Hopefully it, it, works out. We hope. That's all I'm going to say. We we have a, we have a plan in line for a, a very good show next week. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I'm not doing the thing where the late night host, you know, like like Kimmel comes out and then he does his monologue and he's like, we have a great show tonight. Stick around. And he says it every single night. Um, I'm not doing that now. Like if we were going to have a shitty show, I would tell you guys and you could take next week off. But we, we have a plan for a really, really good show next week. So hopefully it, it happens. Um, and if it doesn't happen, it'll probably be a shitty show. Yeah. So, uh, Look for that. We'll be back next Tuesday. See you guys.